Welcome to the RDH Magazine Podcast, an Endeavor Business Media production. This show represents the voice of today's RDH. Like mine. And mine. Like mine. And mine. And mine. And yours. Join us each Tuesday and Thursday as we explore trending topics and go behind the scenes and into the minds of our amazing writers and friends. And now, here's the latest episode with Jackie Sanders. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Jackie Sanders, Chief Editor of RDH Magazine, and today I'm joined by the editor of Through the Loops, Bethany Montoya. Hello, Bethany. How are you today? Hi, Jackie. I'm great. How are you? It's a nice fall day in Illinois, you know. Yeah. I hear it's still warm in Texas, but but you're yeah. used to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we still have maybe another month or so before we really start to see fall. So I'm a little jealous of you right now. Well, we won't tell too many people, but I've already started drinking my pumpkin spice and my coffee this morning. So <laughs> um, today we're going to talk a little bit about an article that you recently wrote called Intuitive Patient Care, Humans Helping Humans. And it was published in the August issue of RDH Magazine, and it is trending as one of our most popular reads. So I just wanted to get you on here and ask you, where did this little brainchild of yours come from? When did you start looking at intuition? Yeah, well, the inspiration kind of struck me several months ago. I just, as a practicing dental hygienist, I I just noticed where I was seeing in my own practice, but I was also noticing on a lot of the online forums that I'm involved in where people have been sharing that just the overall patient experience has changed so much within the past few years. And, and, you know, everybody's wondering if it's related to the COVID pandemic, but um, overall, it just seems like the consensus is less patients are inclined to arrive for their appointment on time or even show up at all. The, the connection with patients during the appointment has changed a lot and treatment acceptance has changed as well. And so I just really started to kind of mull over this topic. And the more that I started thinking about it and and doing my own research, I started to decide for myself that I think a large part of it is the human connection that we have with our patients. And, And I do think that that has changed over the past few years. I think that when we were forced into the the big worldwide shutdown, a lot of our human interactions that we used to have with each other, simple things like meeting up for coffee or, you know, spending time with family, all of those things were taken away from us. And we were forced to connect with each other virtually. And, and now I see where, although we've been able to get all of those freedoms back and we're able to spend time with the people that we love. A lot of us, we we still spend a lot of time online interacting with each other. And, and in some ways, I feel like that's, it's great to have that option for connection. But in another way, I feel like it's kind of stunted our ability to, to relate to each other. And so I think I think that there's a big relationship there with clinical care and and the way that we're able to connect with our patients and so 
The idea behind intuitive patient care is, is finding that again, being able to find that that person-to-person relationship that we we need to have with our patients in order to provide effective patient care. Yeah, I, I, it's it's very interesting because if if you tune into your own intuition, and and I don't think all of the interactions are negative, because you'll if you tune into your intuition, you'll get around some people that they've almost become overexcited and happy and delighted to be around people again, and they're just chatty Cathy's. Uh, maybe the mirror's on me here, but just you know, wanting to be around people again and embracing all the excitement. But then at the same time, there's those that life was easier when I didn't have to interact and be kind, and I could just exist. So it, yeah. it's um, putting on those feelers that we all carry inside and see what is the best way to communicate with a patient. Have you been able to find any science or research behind this? Yeah, I actually found a study that was done back in 2016. I, I kind of wondered when I started really looking into intuition, I'm like, is this a scientific thing? Is this a made up thing? What's the deal? And and I found this study that they did a few years ago where they took two groups of participants and they divided them up and one group, they um, they had them watch a video and they were exposing them to a bunch of subliminal images and messages. And in the other group, they just showed the video with with no subliminal messages or anything. And, and then they, they took those participants and they put them in a bunch of different scenarios where the the people that had been exposed to the subliminal messages they they actually were using their their intuition to respond to stimuli in a different way than the people that that weren't exposed to it and so it allowed the researchers to really quantify how how we're able to use like this inner voice that we have so that we can make decisions. And and what they found is people who utilize their intuition tend to have a more positive response to the things that they're presented with in life. They they tend to react quicker and in a more appropriate way. And so it, it was just an interesting study because it really showed how important intuition is for, for us, just not only in our daily lives, but in our, our professional lives and, and just the way that we handle the different situations that we encounter on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And, and for those who want to dive a little bit deeper into the reference that Bethany is talking about, those are listed at the end of her article. All of the resources are there so you could uh, dive deeper into this and, and understand it a little bit better. So Bethany, so we've got this sixth sense, which we call intuition. How do you apply that then in the operatory? How do you connect with that patient on that next level? Yeah, I think a lot of it is going to come down to our ability to practice empathy and and emotional intelligence. I feel like emotional intelligence, people have been talking about that for a really long time now. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways, I think with as much popularity as it gained, we kind of started to almost discredit it a little bit. But it it's very important to be able to pick up on 
on cues that a patient is showing us when we're interacting with them. So active listening skills, like paying attention to the patient's body language and their tone and and the way that they're communicating things to us, and also kind of mirroring that for the patient too, making sure that when we're interacting with the patient that that we're showing the patient that we truly understand and we're listening to the things that they're saying, repeating things back to them. Um, The more that we do that, I think the patient will really start to see that, that there is a connection there and that you, as, as the clinician, that you really care about that relationship that you have with the patient. So those are just some simple ways I think that we can start to utilize intuition. And I think the tricky thing too is when it comes to clinical practice, we are we're all trained to recommend things that are based on the evidence that we see. We really don't want to be recommending things to patients that we're not seeing a lot of clinical research behind and things like that. But there are a lot of times where the research can kind of fall short and it leaves us in this gray area. And and it's really important to remember when you're, we're dealing with patients that not everything is black and white. So being able to pick up on these emotional cues that the patient is throwing our way with body language and with the emotions that they're portraying, those things can help us to make the best decision for that individual when evidence and the research that we have kind of leaves us guessing what the next step is. Yeah, that that's so, so true. It's I, I learned early on in my hygiene career because I tend to be a, a happy, sometimes too loud individual. And if I would come into an operatory with someone who was struggling with a situation or having a hard day, to come in with that personality type, it almost made their day worse. So having the ability to, um, as you said, mirror the emotions of that person that you're communicating with, I think you can almost um, connect better because they're listening to you rather than judging that you're just too happy right now, Jackie. So (laughs) that is, you know, a a huge skill set there. And that, that goes a lot with the emotional intelligence and if, if no one has ever read about that or understands it, there's a lot of great books out there on the, on the subject. There's actually tests you can take on your emotional intelligence and how to build on that strength. I always like to say build on strengths rather than trying to change your weaknesses. It's, it's better to build on uh, what we were gifted with. So, Bethany, I think you were gifted with having the insight to connect with people's intuition, to see that that is something that as dental hygienists, we could be building on and thinking a little bit more about rather than all of the science that we need to put into their care is how to communicate with that patient in the first place. So thank you for this article. I have a feeling that in the next few months, we'll probably see a part two or where this goes next. If you were to give our listeners any kind of keen insight or first step to applying this to patient care, what would it be? I would say that we need to go back to the basics that that we learned in dental hygiene school. I, I remember when I was a hygiene student, we specifically learned about active listening. And I, I think that if we could 
put a greater focus on simple things like that, we would be amazed at what we see in in response from our patients, being able to maintain simple eye contact when you're talking with your patient, making sure that that your body language is communicating to the patient that you're creating a safe space for them to express their feelings and their thoughts and doing simple things like repeating back the things that your patient is communicating to you. Those are going to be the easiest ways to really foster a supportive, healthy relationship with your patient so that when you are communicating clinical findings to the patient or clinical recommendations, the patient's going to be a lot more responsive to you because they're relating to you as another human being. Very well said. Well, as always, the time goes by way too fast, Bethany. So thank you for your time today. I know you're very, very busy wife, mother, student, editor, clinical hygienist, uh, family cook, family housekeeper. I don't know what all (laughs) you've got in your bucket, but there's a lot there. So thank you for your time today. And to our listeners, thank you for spending some time with Bethany and I. We always enjoy our time together. And we hope we've given you some nice tips and tricks for your operatory today. Everybody have a great day and take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of RDH Magazine Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this interview. Hit that subscribe button and join us next Thursday for another conversation with Jackie Sanders. Find us on social media, visit our website, and sign up for one of our amazing newsletters to keep up to date with your profession. Hygienists come for the education, but stay for the community. See you next time. Thank you.